I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. All right, I am here today with Craig Louder. Craig is a client acquisition specialist with a 40-year track record of empowering independent trusted advisors such as accountants, attorneys, business consultants, and financial wealth advisors to achieve their business growth and income goals. Clients report the first year annual revenue growth uh, from 21 to 142%. Uh, Craig and I have been chatting for a few weeks uh, so far. It's been so great to get to know you, Craig. Welcome. Thank you. I'm honored to be on your show and uh, sharing with your with your folks, your peeps. Well, thank you. Well, um, so the we we kind of laid out. You were you know very specific. You work with trust uh, trusted advisors, accountants, attorneys, business consultants, financial advisors. Um, what do you do for them? How do you help them? Uh, provide them a roadmap to do two things. One to create a robust book of business, and as part of that, uh, give them the opportunity to increase their income so that they can realize the dreams that they have for their life. Okay. So what's that look like? You know, because, and the reason I'm asking is I would imagine folks listening like, yeah, I have 10 emails in my inbox making that promise. What do you do and how is it different from what other people do? Uh, There's a proven system that's been tested over a 40-year period of time. It's called the NAVSTAR Client Acquisition System. So there are six stars, six components to the system. Uh, We teach them what the six stars are, the benefits of following each of these stars, and then we give them a toolkit. In the case of my upcoming book, there'll be 30 tools in there that are designed to be do-it-yourself. Uh, and with so there's a complimentary workbook. It's an instructional guide that allows them to do it if they say, "Well, I really like to go on the journey. You go on the journey with me." Uh, there's also an option to do that as well. Okay, and we're going to be talking about a couple of books just so people can make a mental note. You're talking about your book, your forthcoming book, Trusted Advisor Confidential. Is that right? That is correct. It will be coming out in September, and it will be coming out along with a digital workbook, which is uh, just a little over 200 pages right now. Excellent. One of the things that you said that caught my ear, you said 40 years of history with this Navstar? It was, Navstar was 40 years in the making. This is not like a three-hour voyage uh, like Gilligan and the Skipper. 
It wasn't an overnight journey, but was on a 40-year mission of discovery, finding best practices that consistently worked, uh, stepping in the mud, making mistakes, going back to the drawing board and saying, what need what needs to be done differently to work? And to work means helping clients, our target audience, grow with, uh, attract and retain uh, target rich clients, right fit clients, and in turn gives them the opportunity uh, to increase their personal income. So what, what are some common mistakes that you see people making without the Navstar? What you know, if I were a financial advisor, uh, what what would what would it help me avoid? What would it help me do? A couple of things. Number one, um, no one has a defined target audience, so they cannot tell using characteristics the difference between a crow and a pheasant. So all clients look potentially the same to them, and if we're good at what we do, we latch on to them. And in many cases, they're just not a right fit client for us. And we overinvest time with these prospective clients only to find out that we're not going to win their trust in their business. Or when we do bring them on as a client, we say, well, why did we do that? The second thing, and I think more importantly, because trusted advisors are always looking for new leads. They focus on generating leads before they're able to do a great job of lead conversion. And that typically involves four things, is making sure you've got a highly defined target audience or you know what your niche is. You've got a message that resonates with your target audience. You have a selling process or business development process that mirrors your prospective audience buying process. And you also have a scorecard, which says, I'm gonna take a look at the activities first because those are leading indicators of success. And as opposed to just results and most trusted advisors do not have scorecards. And it's like, a, it's like if you're a golfer, I want a lower score per hole and I want a lower score per round but what do I do to accomplish that? Well, I focus on activities. I'm focusing on hitting the fairway with my drives. I'm focusing on getting on green and regulation, and I'm focusing on reducing my putts. So that's what I practice, which in turn generates the results that I'm, I'm looking for. So uh, really focusing on activities as much as results. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the things that you said that I think may be hard for people, and, and I forget precisely how you said it, but you were talking about identifying people that you don't work with well and, and just not engaging them. And there's a lot of people out there that I think you know, are, are in a mindset of when somebody with money walks through the door, I'm going to talk to them. Um, so you're advising against that. Yes, uh, because there's generally a lower probability of converting that opportunity into a client, and they're not going to be the type of client in some cases that you want or you're going to be able to make happy. Because let's face it, the most 
cost-effective means of lead generation is creating raising fans out of your current clients and getting introductions to other people just like them. But if you don't know exactly what good and bad looks like, it's very easy to let uh, to chase opportunities that are not a good fit, not only for you, but more importantly, uh, for your prospective client. So I'm a big believer in developing an ideal customer profile or client profile. Well, what does that mean? You look at those uh, prospective clients from a geographic perspective. Where do they buy? Where do you need to deliver your service? Their demographics, how long they've been in business, educational level, gender, on and on and on. And psychographics, how do they buy? What's important to them? Are they going to treat you as a commodity or a vendor? Or are they really looking for a trusted advisor? They're looking for a competent, somebody that they can outsource to. And I believe that in what we teach is that uh, you should have at least 15, if not 20 characteristics to help define your niche. And you're using that at the very front end of the interaction process to determine whether this is really a good client for me. It's a right fit client. It may not be. Uh, there may be something better for that particular prospect. And, and quite frankly, at the end of the day, uh, it, it's all about taking care of the people that you're dealing with and being able to comfortably walk away from a situation that's a, not a good fit for them. And consequently, it's not a good fit for me as the person that's trying to bring them on as a new client. And, and there's there's something you said in there, and I'm going to pull it out and just put a little bit of a sharper point on it. What you're saying is if you want better customer reviews, if you want more client rever uh, referrals, work with the people that you'll make most successful because the people you make most successful will give you the best reviews and the most referrals. Absolutely. And all the research shows, and if you were to think back on the clients that you brought in, probably at least four or five are coming as introductions or referrals. That's what the data show. 80% of new clients come through referrals. The sales process is shorter. The conversion rate is higher. You're able to uh, more easily establish value. So even if the service that you are providing maybe a little bit higher price than the competition, those folks are willing to pay for that because there's something more involved in just the service that you're providing, the, the, the life insurance, the wealth management service, the consulting services, the speaking services, because there's an element of trust and there's some expansion in the relationship of, beyond that immediate transaction. Yeah, and I think that's so wise. But what about the person who's saying, "Look, I just got to build my book of business. I'm, I'll, I'll do work that I hate now, and just so I can build up my book of business, and then I'll start working on my ideal uh, customer profile and all this stuff that you're work, uh, saying." What would you tell them? Uh, you're going to go on several detours. It's going to take you longer to achieve your goals. It's just like going on vacation. If you know you're going to drive somewhere, is it better to plan your route or just get on the road and start driving? And 
you know, it's very akin to that because our most valuable resource is our time. And we need to invest our time with right fit clients, not ones that we're not going to be able to satisfy or we're not going to be able to acquire as a new client. So it's the whole concept of working smarter rather than harder. And if your listeners don't believe me, talk to somebody else that's been successful in their line of work and ask them the journey that they've been on. And you will hear that they will say, I did this from the get-go and I developed my book of business and my income faster. Or they will say the same thing. You know what? This journey was a learning experience. I took a lot of detours. I wish I would not have done. I wish I would have done. And I would have achieved uh, my goals a lot sooner. You know, Warren Buffett has said this. This is on record. And he said his success is more based on his ability to say no. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So that's that's so wise. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let's pivot a little bit. You know, obviously this Leaders and Legacies po- uh, podcast. And so tell me what being a leader means to you and how you're making an impact beyond yourself. It's about ensuring that the people that you work with not only have professional goals, but they also have personal dreams and there's congruency between the two in making sure that you're always putting your clients, the people that work for you first. So this is all about, and we've heard the term servant leadership, but it's really about enrolling and inspiring others to do what they're perfectly capable of. They may not know how to do it, but what we all can do is guide those people to make the best decisions uh, for them and or provide them the self-confidence that they need to get out of the status quo and try something a little different because the status quo is our biggest competitor always. And even though the status quo may, pardon the language, suck, we will stay there just because we know that it sucks and we know how to deal with it as opposed to stepping out and trying something different into the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, you know, behind my curtain here, I have a, a chart with 188 cognitive biases that drive our behavior and status quo bias is a powerful one. We, our, our brain in some cases is working against us to preserve the status quo in a bad situation. Sometimes it keeps us in a good situation, but that's such a powerful force in uh, that has to be overcome. How do you recommend that people fight that in themselves? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Uh, I was taught something many years ago by an individual that I really respect, and I call it the three questions of the three why questions. Why change? And people are only going to change under two conditions. Number one, in tr- they're in trouble. They're in pain. They need to fix something. Or they say, I'm okay today, but unless I change, I'm not going to be okay in the future. So the studies show that you and I are more likely to change to the tune of four to one 
if we feel pain or we know that we need to change, we're in trouble. So bringing out and asking the question, why change? And making sure that they can articulate the reasons why change makes sense for them. The second question is, why change now? Contrary to that is, so is there any danger associated with sticking with where we're at today and waiting for another six months to a year? And if they can articulate that, you're, you're making a great deal of pro progress. And the final why question is, well, why me? You've, you've articulated why you need to change and why you need to do it now. Why are you and I talking? And that's part of our responsibility is to build a trusted advisory relationship where they view us as being a lot different from other people that do what we do. Great. So um, one of the questions I love to ask is about a white knuckled moment where your leadership was put to the test. You knew you had a, a path you should do, or there's there was something you should do, but it was just scary. And it was kind of a, one of those crisis moments. Do you, can you think of one and how, how that worked out? Uh, honestly, two come to mind, but one I'll, I'll talk about. Um, the company that I was working with, we were in the process of being sold. And I was chartered with building a sales team at the time that we were in the process of being sold. And I consciously could just not do that not knowing that once the acquisition took place, if the people that I recruited were even going to have a job. Mm -hmm. And I decided it was not fair to them without being fully open and saying, there's some changes going on in the organization. I'm not sure what those changes mean yet. So if we are to come together, there's some potential risk here that this may not turn out the way that we've been discussing. And I told uh, the CEO of the company what I was doing, and he was a little bit upset about it. And I said, well, wait a, wait a minute, Bill. Think about this. What if you were moving to a new company and they didn't tell you they were in the process of being sold and you got there? How would that make you feel? How would you think about that? And Bill goes, okay, I get it. I get it. I know I know where you're coming from. And I said, I, I just can't do that to somebody. Yeah. And he said, I hear you. Let's, let's talk about some alternatives to bringing new people in to continue to increase the top line profitably while we go through this process. And we came up with some alternatives. You know, that's powerful. That's powerful. And and I have a lot of respect for the person you confronted. You know, we all have blind spots. And it sounds like, you know, he had one. You took the bold move to bring that blind spot to his attention. And he was like, of course, let's work on other solutions. That's, I think the power of that is uh, we should do those bold, scary things they can work out well. It is. And, you know, we know from a corporate perspective, everyone is chartered with receiving results, their bonus, their promotion. 
their actual job may be at risk if they don't perform. But what is even more impactful when you touch them personally, and that's what I did with Bill. I touched him personally and put him in that situation. And as much as he didn't want to say it, it was like, yeah, I respect where you're coming from. And I would respect if you treated me that way as well. Yeah. I hear you. Let's look at some alternatives. Well, that's a that's a wonderful story. I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, let's talk. Uh, we, we're we're going to start wrapping up. Uh, you've got two books out. One that you talked about was Trusted Advisor Confidential, uh, but you have another one called uh, that's already available called Smooth Selling Forever. Uh, what's that about? Uh, I wrote this book, and here here's the book back in 2016. After 30 years of working in small businesses, there was one constant, and that was those organizations were highly transactional. They did not have a strategic growth plan. They did not have the systems in place to support the plan, and they weren't organized correctly. They didn't have the right people in the right seats to execute the plan. And so this is really targeting small to mid-sized business owners, family-owned organizations, privately held companies that were typically uh, five to $100 million. And the book is about telling the 12 reasons why your sales are not growing as expected. And I'm using the term expected very liberally because it was like envisioned, dreamed of, but there was no substance behind the statement, we want to grow our business uh, by 25%. So in that book, for the business owners, we're telling the 12 reasons why their sales are not growing and what to do about it. So it focus, it's really kind of a, a star map, a guide map for them to take a realistic, pragmatic look at their business and know where they need to go from where they're at. And the bottom line is most companies are looking in the rearview mirror when they're conducting business in the present and going forward. Well, they find out the rear view, you know, the, the way things have worked in the past are not working today. And that's particularly true in this vir virtual selling and digital self-serve environment, but rather they need to look out the windshield one year, two years, three years out and plan for the future as opposed to try to hold on to the past. It sounds fascinating. Uh, and so that's available. The Trusted Advisor Confidential, when is that coming out? Uh, that's going to be out uh, mid-September. We're going through final edits uh, right now, and we're probably targeting the second or third week of September. And folks can get it at Amazon? Get it on Amazon. Okay. And then lastly, you said you had a tool uh, for the audience called the Connector Compass? Yes. So if you believe that 80 plus percent of your new clients come as a result of referrals, we need to proactively, consciously determine who we want to network with, who we want to connect with, who we want as referral sources. So this tool is a seven step process and it does two things. Number one, it helps an individual identify the categories of connectors that they should be targeting. Could be a set of bankers, uh, could be wealth managers, could be other management consultants, 
but identify the categories. And then secondly, put three names, no more than three names in each category that you want to build a mutually beneficial in-depth relationship. Uh, I made the mistake earlier of in my career, in fact, as recently as a couple of years ago, I found a great lead source that comprised a number of people. And then all of a sudden, they were acquired by my largest competitor. Ah. So guess what happened? The leads dried up. So you need to make sure that you are very intentional about it. And you make need to make sure that you can reciprocate if someone introduces you to someone that you should be uh, potentially working with, then you need to be in a position to reciprocate. Otherwise, you don't have a relationship. Very wise. Uh, how do they find that connector compass? And I'm well, asking for selfish reasons, because when, we, when we're when we done with this, I think I'm going there and I'm going to do it. Uh, what I need from them is their, their name and their email address. And they can reach me at my email address, which is Craig, C-R-A-I-G, at smooth, S-M-O-O-T-H, selling, not sailing, selling, S-E-L-L-I-N-G, forever, F-O-R-E-V-E-R.com. Or you can reach out to me directly at via my business line, 630-649-4943. Greg, thanks for sharing that. And uh, thanks for being on Leaders and Legacies. Uh, what a great conversation. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor, Craig. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag leaders and legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. And it means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com uh, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.